With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mr. President, we have a national emergency. This is one of the things that we can shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, Normally you can't do that. All of a sudden these trees started moving out of the way. They parted for me. And then I came out into this opening and there where I saw Jesus Christ. Your host, W. Dean Shook, is on the air.
As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Hmm. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. When you see all of these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words never pass away. As it was in the days of Noah, so it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And thank you. Welcome to In Time Prophecy, news and current events. I am your humble host, William Shook. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it so very much. We're having a special simulcast tonight. That would be the Blog Talk Radio Network and the Spreaker Radio Network and our regular broadcast affiliates across this great country of ours. All of you folks in the UK and the Middle East, good morning to our troops who are just waking up. Hello to everybody in Australia. Uh, the Philippines, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us. The clip I just played is the crux of our show tonight. Is why is everybody ignoring these end time prophecies? Do they don't? Uh, do people not care? Matthew twenty four ten says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another. They will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Many, because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Tonight we're going to talk about some of these end-time prophecies that have made history. History. Things that not only didn't happen in the past, but could not have happened in the past. Specific prophecies that are current events now let's look but I want to share a little bit of news here first because we have terrorists in Boston we have explosions in Texas we have a possible nuclear showdown with North Korea the Middle East is a tinderbox just waiting to explode there's volcanoes Yellowstone Park Iceland earthquakes and sinkholes popping up in random places, extreme weather, solar flares uh, that battered this world right and left. Here in America, we have 
pop stars and politicians that are joining joining forces to showcase their incompetency by enacting these idiotic and illogical legislations. Let's face it, folks. We know we're in trouble when the administration's brain trust consists of actors and musicians. And you can bet that if you're a conservative politician and you get a parking ticket, you can believe that ABC, NBC, uh, MSNBC, and CNN are going to be there to provide nonstop blow-by-blow coverage of that ticket. But if you're a Democratic politician and you get caught with an underage prostitute, you might as well be in the witness protection program for all the coverage you're going to see about it. There's senators and congressmen who are either through too many drugs or uh, political correctness. These are Some of these people can't even string a simple sentence together. These are the same people that are in charge of writing the laws that the rest of us have to follow. I mean, let's face it here, folks. There's random mobs of violent teens that are robbing stores. They're beating up elderly people for fun. Mass murder abortion doctors with tales so gruesome it would make your hair on your neck stand on end. I'm talking about Kermit Gosnell snapping live babies' necks and just calling it a late-term abortion. Yet, for some for some reason, the media seems to be able to ignore this. Well, before we start our discussion, about, you know, we're going to talk about the, the fig tree prophecy. We're going to talk about a cashless society and the mark of the beast. But before we do that, I want to talk about what happened in, um, in Watertown, Massachusetts. I was really amazed. When I watched the news and and seeing the people on the street clapping and honking and had, you know saying thank you thank you thank you well what were they saying thank you for were they saying thank you for catching the guy or were they saying thank you for lifting this martial law which is what this was this was a de facto martial law and we're going to talk about that in just a minute I have to play some kudos to our sponsors please. Uh, Listen to these from our sponsors. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about whether or not this actually was martial law because this is a new normal, a police state. And what they did was de facto martial law. They just called it a lockdown. I'm also going to give you some um, other news about these jihadists, which is what they were, that the mainstream media is never going to tell you right after this break. You're listening to W. Dean Shook, in time prophecy news and current events. Stay tuned. identity thieves constantly search your information for vulnerabilities. At LifeLock, relentless protection of your identity is their primary mission. They help ensure that you stay ahead of identity thieves. 
LifeLock is first in the industry to offer proactive identity theft protection. They're level one compliant under the payment card industry data security standards. They have direct access to fraud resolution teams within their extensive network of lenders and service providers. They are experts through leadership with internationally recognized experts in privacy and security, technologies, fraud, and criminal methods. They also partnership with... You can now hear our program on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and more. It's on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App You can now hear our program on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and more. It's on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Well, wasn't that lovely? Nice little glitch in the studio there. Things playing that aren't supposed to play. The one that is supposed to play didn't. Thank you so much for that. What a wonderful studio we have here. My goodness, I'm sorry about that. I'm not even going to attempt that again. We're going to go on with this discussion. And hopefully, (laughs) when we play a sound clip, it's going to play in the future. Uh, That was just, that was ridiculous. I'd fire myself if I could. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about this this new normal. The new normal is a police state. You know, and I've I seen a, a, a story on Natural News, and I want to share this story with you from Natural News. It says, in a police state, citizens have no rights. They can be ordered around at the whims of this militarized police force whose goons run around in black uniforms terrorizing the populace. Well, welcome to Boston 2013. This police state is running wild in this city. It's reached the point where innocent families are being ordered out of their homes by screaming, aggressive, riot-head SWAT teams armed with overwhelming firepower. This is only the beginning of this police action in a desperate manhunt for suspects involved in this Boston Marathon uh, bombing. Boston police rolled down neighborhood streets in armored assault vehicles, aiming guns directly at citizens and completely abandoning every applicable provision of the Bill of Rights. This was all done under the justification of excregent circumstances, which means, according to the police, the government can ignore all laws and all due process and simply do whatever it wants. And let's face it, folks, that's what they did both in Boston and in Watertown. If the police want to loot your jewelry or steal your car or rape your cat, they can. They could have gotten away with it by simply claiming excrescent circumstances. 
Now, the media reported that all of these searches were voluntary, quote-unquote. But the truth is, this is raw tyranny, and it's unfolding right here in America, where the government does whatever it wants because it has all the guns. The population is completely defenseless to say no. And with that in mind, folks, remember, the government wants everybody across the country to be completely defenseless and disarmed. They want to take guns out of our hands one way or another. Even if they cannot overturn the Constitution, they can make it so difficult to to own a gun or to have ammo that we will be defenseless while they're stocking up on billions of rounds of, of ammo, assault weapons, assault vehicles. And what they did in Watertown was a perfect example of de facto martial law. This was martial law. Now, they called it a lockdown. This lockdown, quote, unquote, was not a lockdown. This was martial law. The local police agency gave up their power, so they say that it was a voluntary giving up of their power. Who knows if if it was actually voluntary or not. But the FBI and the military moved in and shut that city down. They shut it down in search of one teenage terrorist, who, by the way, was already wounded in the neck. They not only shut the city down, ordered people into their homes, they can't come out. They filled the streets with military assault vehicles, military personnel, and federal agents. They enacted a no-fly zone over Watertown. Why do they need a no-fly zone? Because this is all part of martial law. When you enact martial law, it has to be across the board, which includes this no-fly zone. That's one of the big things that gave this whole thing away. Not only that it was federal military troops and federal authorities going house to house, They were sticking their guns in citizens' faces. They were going house to house, ordering people out of their homes with their hands over their head and searching these homes house to house. The news being totally complicit in this also came on the air and reported there were two people that were ignoring the order and and stayed open, two businesses ignoring the order in defiance of this order. So they admitted right there that this was an ordered lockdown, quote-unquote, de facto martial law. And they reported that these two businesses defiant, one a deli and one a convenience store. And they reported it as, how dare you defy this order? How dare you? So why do Bostonites welcome this police tyranny? Of course, these people who live in Watertown love to live under the police state tyranny. They hate the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and privacy. They hate private citizens owning guns. They love to see ultra-militarized pointing guns at at, at regular citizens and ordering them out of their home. These are liberals. They vote for this stuff in Massachusetts. They think it makes them feel secure. As long as the government has all the guns, it's all okay. You see, breaking and entering, 
<laughs> kidnapping of homeowners, the threat of the use of violence against anybody who refuses to comply, these are signs of security according to Bostonites. And here's the proof of just that whole region. New York Mayor uh, Michael Bloomberg couldn't agree more. In a frightening statement that seems yanked right out of 1984, Bloomberg now says the interpretation of the Constitution will quote-unquote have to change to allow for more security and less privacy. These people think that we have to change the Constitution to take away our rights for the sake of security. Let me let me ask you – I'll ask you this question in a minute. Here's what he said. We live in a complex world where we're going to have to have a level of security greater than you did back in the olden days. Our laws and our interpretation of the Constitution, I think, have to change. This is a quote from Michael Bloomberg. Now, keep in, keep in mind that Bloomberg surrounds himself with armed guards when he's out in public, but he doesn't believe in your right to defend yourself with arms. This is just a small sample of the runaway hypocrisy that's being shoveled from the highest levels of government. Lockdown, in this case, my friends, it meant martial law. During this whole thing, the city of Boston was in an undeclared state of martial law. The government tried to put a nice-sounding spin on it by calling it lockdown. They urged residents to shelter in place. Why didn't they explain, however, is that anyone who refused to comply could be arrested and detained and interrogated. Local residents complied, according, uh, hiding in their homes, shivering with raw fear. 400,000-plus Bostonites were scared out of their minds by one armed teenager. By one teenager? So they let the police take away their rights and turn their city into a constitution-free zone. No constitution here. Get inside or you're under arrest. That's martial law. Why not just bow down and lick their military, paramilitary boots? Why not launch a new church of government and perform worship services every Sunday? These people are beyond pathetic. They're the atheists of what America was founded on. They're literally anti what we were based on. You know, this is not surprising that they were harboring a couple of terrorists, too. They were popular guys. They, pop, they partied with the locals, reported, reportedly having had a lot of local friends. That's not surprising because terrorists and socialists go hand in hand. They, on, they agree on almost everything. Freedom is bad. Killing people is good. The rules and laws don't matter. Both terrorists and socialists agree. Carrying out their agenda is far more important than abiding by any rules or laws or any rights of the citizens. So I'm actually not surprised to see that these brothers were recruited and trained in Boston. So what happens when these exigent circumstances goes national? There's a big, bigger question in all of this. What happens during, say, an economic collapse 
or larger scale event that impacts the entire nation? Does the federal government just declare excrement circumstances or nationwide bias and start yanking families out of their homes anywhere and whenever they want? That's what they did. You know, in what they did, excrement circumstances means supposedly to magically nullify all laws and rules and due process and the right to private citizen. The Constitution does not become null and void solely because a bunch of armed goons are chasing down an armed teenager. The Fourth Amendment is not nullified just because a bunch of people... Look, the government cannot pick and choose when the Constitution applies. Yet, each passing day, that's, there's spineless people who roll over and let the police state bully them around at gunpoint. And our freedoms erode just a little bit more. That's exactly what people like Bloomberg, Biden, and Obama really want. That's why the more bombings that occur, the more government grabs and turns citizens into slaves. What they did in Watertown and in Boston was outrageous. Now, you know, let me tell you, let me tell you another story that the mainstream media is not going to tell you. Did you know that these jihadist bombers and their families were on welfare? They were receiving welfare benefits. They probably thought that this money was due to them. Because they, these guys were Muslims, not radical Muslims. Now, why do I say they were not radical Muslims? Because Islam is radical. Islam teaches that all, all Muslims must do this. Quran, chapter 9, verse 29. The infidels should pay the Muslims. As per this verse of the Quran, fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold the forbidden, which had been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are the people of the book, until they pay the jizya with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. These people think that this money is owed to them. And that anybody who's an infidel, who's not a good practicing Muslim, owes them money. So when they go and get these welfare benefits and food stamps and everything that goes with that, they have no problem with that. They think that's what's due to them. Now, it's like I said in the last, our last program. All Muslims are taught to listen to the trees and the rocks. Because the trees and the rocks are going to say, there's a Jew behind me, or there's an infidel behind me. Come and kill him. This is a lifestyle taught for every believer. You see, it's not fundamental. Now, true, not all Muslims are terrorists. But not all Muslims are good practicing Muslims. If they're good practicing Muslims, then they're abiding by this. (laughs) Their job is to uh, slice the neck of the unbeliever. 
We recently saw that a uh, martyrdom suicide bomber who lived off Swedish student aid and a British jihadist who said the normal situation is to take money from the coffer. You work, give us the money, Allah Akbar. They think this money is owed to them because this is the jizya. A jizya is, is where a Muslim says, yeah, we let other faiths live among us. But if you are of another faith, you have to pay the jizya. Jizya means that you pay for protection. As long as you pay the jizya, they promise not to kill you. If you stop paying the jizya, then you're murdered, your business is destroyed, your family is killed. What do we call that here in America? These guys got welfare benefits that they figured they was owed to them. They were living on taxpayer state welfare benefits, even as he was diving deep into the world of this anti-American um, Islamism. State officials confirmed last night I'm telling you. Why isn't the media reporting that? Why isn't somebody out coming out and saying something like that? Well, we're probably saying, well, it doesn't have anything to do with this. Well, yes, it doesn't. It also has a lot to do with immigration. You know, I heard a story today that said there are 75,000 student visas out there from countries that are unfriendly to America. Out of these 75,000 visas, student visas, 15,000 of those student visas, people that were issued those student visas, have never shown up for class. Never. Now, if we go back to 9-11, those people that enacted 9-11 were here on student visas and also never once showed up for class because they're not here to go to school. Now, when you have 75,000 of these things out there and 15,000 of them never show up for class, that's a problem. My friends, that's a problem. So what do they do whenever a, a tragedy happens? Over the past couple of decades, the federal government's used just about every major national tragedy as an excuse to take even more liberty and freedom away from us. And without a doubt, this Boston Marathon bombing was a great national tragedy. I don't think that any of us will forget the images that we saw on that, those, on that day. All of the people responsible for this attack should be exposed, hunted down, tried, and punished. Unfortunately, what always seems to happen is the American people seem to get punished for most of these trage tragedies. Over the past couple of decades, we've seen again and again that if we just give up a little bit more freedom, the authorities be, will be able to keep us safe. But you know what? It's impossible for them to keep us safe. There's no way in the world the federal government can protect us from all the bad guys in the world. We're a country that's absolutely teeming with soft targets. Malls, churches, schools, concerts, sporting events. No matter how much money we spend, there's no way the federal government will ever be able to provide enough security for all of those soft targets. Even if our society morphed into something that 
that resembled George Orwell's 1984, the government would still never be able to guarantee our safety. Unfortunately, in the aftermath of this attack, there is inevitably going to be calls for increased in security, more anti-terror legislation. The answer always seems to be to expand the police state. But it's getting to the point where all the security is becoming suffocating, yet it doesn't seem to keep us any safer. Why? When does all this end? Are we going to completely throw out the entire Constitution in some sort of desperate attempt to feel a little bit safer? Are we going to choose to live our lives without fear no matter what others try to do to us? You know, Benjamin Franklin once said something. Uh, I'm going to tell you what he said. I'm going to quote Benjamin Franklin here. He said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. That's how important our liberties are. You know, the way the American people have responded to national tragedies over the past couple of decades would have made our founding fathers ashamed. They're probably rolling over in their graves right now. The American people have been way too willing to give up liberty in exchange for the promise of safety that doesn't come. We've been told that terrorists hate us because of our liberties and freedoms. We've also been told that in order to be safe from those terrorists, we have to give up those liberties and freedoms. So who's, who's winning here? We seem to have forgotten some of the most basic lessons in life. If you cower in fear when a bully comes after you, what's the bully going to do? He's going to keep coming after you because his actions are being rewarded. Those that are trying to create fear love it when you become fearful. It's, they're, they're winning. It's exactly what they want. The appropriate response to national tragedy is to reject fear. To continue to boldly live our lives as if nobody could ever shake us. Have some intestinal fortitude. Yeah, there's common sense things that, that our government should be doing to keep bad guys away from us. The number one thing the federal government should be doing is to secure the border. Every single day, thousands and thousands of people that don't have anything to do with this country are sneaking across our border. Yet the federal government has absolutely refused to seal our border for decades, even when they know that there's terrorists from around the world coming across our southern border. And until the federal government secures our borders, they should not ask any of, of us to sacrifice one single ounce of liberty or freedom in the name of national security. Am I, am I wrong on that, or do you agree with that? As long as they re refuse to seal that southern border where they know the terrorists are just walking across it, then how dare they ask us to give up freedom for security when, when they're leaving that border wide open? Let's use some common sense here, people. You know, the, the Obama administration treats our border like a joke. It continues to import huge numbers of people from radical areas all over the Middle East. They continue to tell us domestic terrorists is the greatest th threat that we're facing. 
You know, a lot of our politicians are buying into this philosophy. Senator Lindsey Graham says the attack in Boston is a perfect example of why the homeland is the battlefield. So if the homeland is the battlefield, then who is the enemy? Well, like I said last week, the U.S. Army Reserve Training presentation recently identified evangelical Christians as religious extremists. And since Barack Obama entered the White House, there have been numerous government reports that have identified Christians, constitutionalists, patriots, anti-abortion activists, all gun owners, are all potential terrorists. So where does all this end? Are the American people becoming the enemy? Are we our own enemy? According to the government, we are. They're trying to make us constantly scared to death of each other. This is a constant divide and conquer, divide and conquer. You never know, well, you never know who's who. What did I just start the show with? Out of Matthew, people will hate one another, will betray one another. Will the entire nation exist in a never-ending environment of fear, fear of each other, fear of our government? They're already telling us to turn our neighbors in. We'll eventually have the TSA and the Department of Homeland Security patrolling every uh, mall, every church, every school, every sporting event, every concert. You know, the bad thing is, though, the bad guys will always be able to find a soft target. There'll be more and more terror attacks in the future, no matter how much security we pour on. Once upon a time, this nation was blessed with peace and security, but now the hedge of protection is gone. The federal government could give the Department of Homeland Security trillions of dollars a year, and it wouldn't make much difference. We live in a world, my friends, that's becoming increasingly unstable. Bad guys are going to do bad things. And these are the beginning of birth pangs. And these birth pangs are getting harder and harder all the time. We need to wake up here, folks. We need to wake up. We need to wake up to the prophecies that are telling us in advance that these things are going to happen. Yet we're, we're ignoring them. You know, this is why what just happened in Boston is so alarming. The entire city was put into a complete lockdown for almost two days. <clears throat> this was a preview of what could happen nationwide if martial law was declared. This was an over-the-top display of force that clearly demonstrated the rest of, to the rest of the world how incredibly frightened we are. Some of the things we saw in Boston were absolutely disgraceful. Do you know what this tells the rest of the world? It tells them that terrorism works. It tells them that one small incident is enough to send the entire nation into a full-blown panic attack. Over one teenaged terrorist. You know what? None of these heavily armed men even found the second suspect. He was actually found by a neighbor that had gone out to take a smoke. 
And like most Americans, I absolutely hate terrorism in all the forms that it takes. But we're not going to prevent future terrorism by treating the U.S. Constitution like a piece of trash. We've now shown the world that we're willing to throw out our most important constitutional rights the moment that a threat arises. This is going to encourage even more terrorism. You see, those that engage in terrorism want attention. They want to create fear. We, when we give them attention and we allow them to create fear, we give them exactly what they want. They're terrorists. Is there anyone out there that can defend what they saw in Boston? A no-fly zone? Can you defend a no-fly zone over Watertown? I can't imagine any American that still loves the Constitution being proud of what happened. Most Americans seem to be more than willing to disregard the Constitution these days. Most of them are incredibly scared. They just want someone in a position of authority to assure them that they'll be safe. So I'm sure that in the months ahead, we'll see security get even tighter in this country. With each tragedy, it'll just get tighter and tighter until we can't barely even breathe. This is not the answer to our problems. In fact, it's just going to make more problems. And at the same time, the government is enabling this by not sealing our border, by still giving out student visas to terrorist countries, and then when they get here, they never go to a class. And it raises no alarms. Do you see how this makes no sense? They take away our rights, our freedoms, our liberties, but yet they just allow these terrorists to come in. At what point, my friends, does this make any sense? Any sense? All right. I had to get that off my chest. Thank you for allowing me to do that. I want to talk about the uh, fig tree prophecy. And I want to talk about this cashless society that's coming. Because this cashless society that's coming... I'm going to explain this in detail. Some of this is going to be my opinion. Some of this is just common sense. And I mean, you'll see some of this stuff is just plain common sense. But when it comes to the uh, prophecy of the fig tree, what is this prophecy of the fig tree? They say when you see the fig tree start to bud, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, then you know that spring is nigh. So when you see these prophecies coming to pass, one time in history prophecies, things that could never happen in the past, things that can never happen again, prophecies that are exact and coming to pass with other end time prophecies. And yet people are ignoring this. This is a bad thing. And let me tell you why. You know, there's a... There's a chain of events that have happened since, uh, I'd say, probably uh, 1948. And it's been ongoing since then. 
I've already been into this 45 minutes. I've spent too much time on this already. Let me take this quick break. We'll see if the studio works when we come back. We're going to talk about this in-time prophecy, um, uh, the, the chain of events that's prophesied um, after Israel returns to the land. Uh, we're going to talk about the cashless society and this mark of the beast. I want you to stay tuned for this. Now, I've talked about the Mark of the Beast many times before. I'm going to talk about it many times again because it's very important that we understand the Mark of the Beast and that we understand that this cashless society is going to bring this Mark of the Beast. We'll do that right after this short break if the studio works. You're listening to W. Dean Shook, In Time Prophecy News and Current Events. Stay tuned. Professional identity thieves constantly search your information for vulnerabilities. At LifeLock, Relentless protection of your identity is their primary mission. They help ensure that you stay ahead of identity thieves. LifeLock is first in the industry to offer proactive identity theft protection. They're level one compliant under the payment card industry data security standards. They have direct access to fraud resolution teams within their extensive network of lenders and service providers. They are experts through leadership with internationally recognized experts in privacy and security, technologies, fraud, and criminal methods. They also partnership with FBI law enforcement and the National Organization for Victims Assistance. Sign up today at WDShook.com and receive a 30-day free trial and 10% off your final purchase. The W. Dean Shook Program has partnered with LifeLock to make sure your identity remains safe and secure, guaranteed. Get your 30-day free trial of LifeLock's industry-leading protection at WDeanShook.com. That's WDeanShook.com. GoDaddy offers everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web, from domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. We've earned our place as the world's number one accredited domain registrar by delivering world-class products at competitive prices and support them with industry-best services delivered 24-7, 365. We're proud to serve our customers from locations around the world, Sign up now at WDShook.com and get your domain name as low as $5.99 a year. Sign up now at WDShook.com. Go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. Don't worry about your food supply when a disaster hits. At Buy Emergency Food, their focus is to provide families and individuals with the highest quality food storage available along with the most effective survival gear online. Hi, 
I'm W. Dean Shook, and our friends at Buy Emergency Food is so confident that their prices can't be beat. They'll match any competitor's online prices of any product they offer. They've searched far and wide to find the most superior quality products available. Buy Emergency Food is 100% committed to providing these high-quality items at the best prices online. Sign up today at WDeanShook.com for their gourmet taste, easy storage, 25-year shelf life, nutritional information, water filtration, and affordable solar power. Come see why Buy Emergency Food is simply the best brands for providing the basic needs with disaster strikes. And they have free shipping on every order. Nothing's easier than their free shipping policy. That's right, 100% free shipping. Your emergency food is usually shipped within three business days. It's fast, effective, and free. Does it get any better than that? The food you need when disaster hits. Sign up today at WDeanShook.com. That's WDeanShook.com. All right, thank you for allowing me that break that actually worked that time. I'm I'm feeling kind of cocky now. (laughs) Something in the studio worked. And don't forget, you can come to the website, WDeanShook.com. After the program tonight, I'm going to put up some videos, (laughs) some new videos of uh, some of the events that happened in Watertown. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's start this discussion of the parable of the... The fig tree, Matthew 24, 32 through 34. And it says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you see all these things, know that it is near. Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled. This, my friends, is the fig tree prophecy. What's important here is this last verse of it. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, these apostles came to Jesus. They asked about the end of the world and how people living would know what's happening. And it went like this. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world, into the age? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Because he explains further, this is the beginning of birth pangs. Jesus begins to tell him about how things will gradually heat up, how they'll increase until we reach a time that we call the last days. Now, the book of Matthew continues. It gives more and more details and clues until we reach the big clue, the biggest one of them all, starting in Matthew twenty-four thirty-two. And here's what he says. Now, listen to this. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. 
So he tells him the generation of people that will be alive on the earth when the last days come about would witness what he called the fig tree blooming. When it puts forth its, its leaves, he quoted that the fulfillment of end time prophecy. So what or who is the fig tree? Now, if we knew that, we'd know who this gen- last generation might be. Through recorded history, nations have always been typified by types and figures. To describe them, Russia is the bear, America is the eagle, England is the lion, Israel is the fig tree. So Jesus was saying that when you see Israel reblooming, whenever that might take place, that that generation would be the one that would be on the earth and living when the last days occur. So if Israel was destroyed in 70 AD, and it was, when did it bloom again? May 14, 1948 is the date that history records that fact happening. The generation that witnessed that, this World War II generation, still have not, for all intensive purposes, passed off the scene. They're still alive and with us today. We are the people that Jesus said would be alive on the earth when the last days happen. Because Israel being brought back is a major sign. This is a major sign. This time is right now. Now, let it sink in for a minute. And I'll say it again. For the last time, the last days, Jesus referred to is not in the future. It's not coming soon. My friends, it's here right now. Right now. For the last six decades, all the major players have been taking the stage and, and getting ready to fulfill this prophecy. <clears throat> now, let me give you some examples. Russia and China, who are two major players in this. And let me give you a, a report of this. Let's see if I have it. Um, I think I do. Um, give me just a second here. Um, boy, I thought I had my ducks in a row. Ah, here it is. Russia and China. Now, I had to pull this story up because it's from the past. Not not the distant past, though. This was just, uh, what, 2009, president of Russia and China signed their first treaty in more than a half a century, as well as agreeing to a friendship pact. Vladimir Putin and Zhang Zemin also found common ground in their opposition to the missile defense plans. Russia and China stressed the basic importance of the ABM Treaty, which is a cornerstone of strategic stability and the basis for reducing offensive weapons. Now, they issued a statement Independently, separate declarations stressing their commitment to the 1972 Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty, which the U.S. wants to redraw as part of its uh, missile project. These statements calls the treaty the cornerstone of strategic stability and the basis for reducing offensive weapons. The Friendship Pact itself contains no military or political alliances. It focuses instead on boosting the two countries, mutual interest and uh, boosting trade. 
so they're now making a mutual interest alliance. The BBC's Adam Brooks says trade between the countries is only a tiny part of their economic interest. The developing relationship between Moscow and Beijing will be watched more for its strategic importance. Strategic importance. Russia and China found common ground in their opposition to Washington's um, anti-missile program. China and Russia say they're not planning any kind of military or political bloc. Their friendship treaty intends to replace a 1949 communist-era pact that does not threaten anyone. Well, what did they actually do? They became the BRIC countries, B-R-I-C, the BRIC countries. Brazil, India, China, and Russia. Well, if I put them in the right order, it comes out BRIC. And by doing that, they set up an economic pact. Now, you know, we put sanctions on Iran so that Iran couldn't um, sell their uh, oil on the open market. But the BRIC countries are still buying Iranian oil. They're just paying for it with gold. So when they come out and say that we have this dramatic impact, we do not have a dramatic impact with these sanctions because they're still selling their oil just fine. And let me say this. You know, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, in the prophecy of Gog and Magog, when it says that The enemy from the north and the enemy from the east are going to align themselves along with some Middle Eastern countries to come against Israel. Well, you know, let me tell you a little story about this. I've been following Bible prophecy for a while. And when the Soviet Union crashed, I looked at that and said, well, there's the end of that prophecy. You know, Jesus says in Matthew, when you see all of these prophecies come to pass, not some of them, not a few of them, all of them. So by the Soviet Union crashing and dissolving, I said, I said to myself, well, there's the end of that prophecy, Ezekiel 38 and 39, because Russia is no longer a power player. They've crashed. Well, that was a fatal mistake on my part. Because I didn't take into account the way that God works. Now, what does he do in our lives? For those of us who are really Christian and not Christian in name only, then we know that what God does is in our lives is the same thing that he has done to Russia. You know, Russia, before they crashed, had a pretty cold relationship actually with China and with some of the Middle Eastern countries. Then they crashed, and then they were built back up and made a stronger alliance than ever. The alliance between China and Syria and Iran and some of these other Middle Eastern countries is stronger than it's ever been before. So what has happened here is, you know, in, in our lives, God will break us down to nothing and then build us back up the way he wants us to be. This is exactly what he did to Russia. In order to put Russia and China and these Middle Eastern countries in the place where they need to be, he had to knock them down to the bottom. And that's what he did by dissolving the Soviet Union to the point where they were ashamed 
and said, we need to make a comeback. The only way we can do that is to make alliances with our neighbors. China is Russia's neighbor. And they, they were built back up in a stronger union than, than they have ever had in history, which perfectly sets up Ezekiel 38 and 39. I personally was too blind to see that when they crashed. We all have faults. You know, God says, you know, your ways are not my ways. and Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And like I always said, he always does things in ways that I would have never thought of. And I say all the time that when we watch these end-time prophecies come to pass, you know, we can talk about them and we can talk about some possible scenarios. But until he actually does it, we won't know exactly how it's going to go down. Because he always surprises us. That's what makes him God. So he broke them down, gave them this strong alliance with India and Syria and, and Iran and China, with these Middle Eastern countries, the perfect setup of Ezekiel 38 and 39 of Gog and Magog. And I think that's very important here because this is also perfect alliance with the fig tree prophecy. China and Russia are now not only not only did they lie about their alliances <clears throat> they said it was just other reasons and it wasn't military or political when it all it is is military and political because those are the only two parts of their alliance that they're exercising they're still buying underneath the sanctions and paying with gold Russia also released a statement saying that the log logical question is the, the point of placing under the threat the entire internationally agreed structure of a nuclear disarmament. You know, Pentagon officials promised to press forward with plans to more, for more tests of their anti-missile systems. Well, that just made their alliance even stronger. Their trade is it's boosted a hundredfold. It's said to be growing by eight to ten billion dollars a year. A year. Some analysts say that that Russia and China are becoming one of the largest alliances in the world, that they could be the new global leaders. And they are calling for a one world order, for a new world order, for a new world currency, a one world currency. And they've been calling that for that for a while. I've, I've been reporting on that since last year. And what about Iran? You know, <laughs> our friends in Iran. Let's see how else Russia is dealing with uh, their new partners. Now, they say that it's not political or military. Well, here's a story from 2009 <clears throat> where U.S. investigators exposed Iran's nuclear shopping list. Now, what's telling about this is, well, listen to this story. New York District Attorney, who's heading a long-term investigation in the Islamic regime's complex 
web of illicit overseas financial operations told U.S. senators there was little time left to halt Tehran's atomic weapon program. He's warning. All the more soberly that Iran's last successful test fire of a sophisticated medium-range missile that could strike Israel, Central Europe, and Western forces in the Middle East and Afghanistan with warheads. Who built their nuclear reactor? Russians. The Russians sent their scientists to Tehran. They built Iran's first nuclear reactor. Now, Russia has nuclear weapons, and they sent Russian scientists over there to build their nuclear plant. Are they also getting mass weapons of mass destruction technology from Russia? Russia says no. Then where are they getting this technology? The Russians were there, teaching them, showing them. Again, another lie, another falsehood from from. Middle Eastern countries and Russia and Iran. And what do we get from that? We get Iran with a shopping list of these very things. You know, uh, Mr. Obama issued a timetable for future talks with Iran for the first time, telling the visiting um, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu He expected to know by the end of the year whether Tehran was making a good faith effort to resolve differences. And that in itself is an ignorant statement because they have never done that. There's been an investigation that revealed the Iranians were negotiating to buy 400 geometers, 600 accelerometers, and 100 pieces of metal titanium, crucial technology for building accurate long-range missiles that could deliver nuclear payloads. Now, why are they shopping for this stuff if there's no intent for a nuclear weapon? This is how strong this alliance has been, the technology that they've acquired from somebody, and why is it even important that, about all of this stuff? Well, let me tell you why. It's because of... Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and the current Ayatollah. He's often courted controversy since since he uh, became president in 2005. His rhetoric against the United States and Israel is unbending. In 2009, international criticism intensified when his re-election calls caused his country's worst political unrest since the 1979 revolution. In fact, the supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, who has the final say in matters of state, declared the vote for Ahmadinejad to be valid, and they swore him in in 2005, even though the people said they didn't vote him in. Why did the Ayatollah do that? Well, let's take a look at Ahmadinejad. He's the son of a blacksmith. He was born in 1956 in Gomzar, near Tehran. He holds a Ph.D. in traffic and transport from the Tehran from the from Tehran's University of Science and Technology. He was not well known. 
He was mayor of Tehran in 2003. While running the city, he reduced social felons. He uh, curtailed some crime. He took social freedoms. His rise to power and landslide victory in 2005 surprised the international community. There's been confusion about his role in the Islamic Revolution in 1979. You remember that with the hostages? Jimmy Carter. Several of the 52 Americans who were held hostage in the embassy in the the months after the revolution. They're certain that Ahmadinejad was among those who captured him. He was part of that. He insists he wasn't there. His website says he joined the Revolutionary Guard voluntarily after the revolution. He's also reported to have several or served in a, a covert operation during the 8088 war with Iraq. He's been a strong backer of the nuclear program. He also said that it's his job to wipe Israel off the map. And that's what's important. Because we now have the alliance of Russia and China and Ahmadinejad. Now we know that Russia and Iran are both heavily involved in Syria, in this civil war in Syria. All of these countries are surrounding Israel for the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 and 39. So what do we have here? We have Israel being reblooming, the land being established in 1948. We have what seemed to be the crash of the Soviet Union ending 38 and 39. Instead, what it did is made it stronger and more positive. It set it in cement so that now the enemies that are prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are now in stone. They're there. And there's no going backwards from this. No other time in history could these things could have come about in just this way at just this time. Now, they may have had alliances before, but Israel was not a nation then. And that's really, really important here that they were not a nation then. And, you know, like I said before, it was Russia who went in and built their nuclear reactor. That's what really set them up. You know, Russia's been moving military ships and battleships into the port off of Syria ever since this thing started. They said that these huge ships were there to evacuate Russians. Obviously, they weren't. Ahmadinejad has been sending Revolutionary Guard to Syria. Mr. Obama recently said that there's a red line. If they use chemical weapons, they're crossing a red line. Well, now that reports are coming out that are credible, saying that they have crossed that red line, now Mr. Obama's backing off. Thank you for the credibility, Mr. Obama. If you say there's going to be a red line and they cross it, then you need to do what you said. Instead, we're losing credibility by making a threat and not standing good on it. Never should have made the threat in the first place. So we need to consider 
Israel coming back, reblooming. The people coming back, the, the Jews, the Israel Israelites coming back to Israel as a homeland never before in history and can never happen again. And it's prophesied in the Bible. This should be a wake-up call. This should open the eyes of every true Christian, everyone who is praying for the return of Christ to fix this dying, broken world. Now, if you're scared, if all of this scares you, then you need to check your relationship with God. Because, yeah, turbulent times are coming. How's it going to affect you? If you're under God's protection, you don't have anything to worry about. Do you trust him? Do you trust what he says when he says he'll hold on to your right hand and protect you and keep you from this? Or are you not sure? This is something that you need to evaluate for yourself. All right. I want to talk about, because I'm running out of time, I've been just jacking my jaw way too much. I want to talk about the one world currency, the mark of the beast, and the end of money as we know it. Because, um, my friends, this is going to bring about another end time prophecy that could only come about now. And it comes about at the same time, at the same time that these other prophecies, important one-time prophecies, can only happen once. Israel coming back can only happen once like this, with the other end-time prophecies falling right into place. My friends, we need to be awake. We need to be awake on this. Now, this one-world currency is going to bring the mark of the beast. And make no mistake about this. You know, if we think that that these world economies that are crashing all over the world are not simply coincidental. Let me give you some quotes from current world leaders who are talking about this world global currency. You know, the Russian president has been among the most vocal supporters. You know, at the last G8 meeting last year, he actually pulled a United Future World Currency coin out of his pocket. And it, it, it had the words on it, unity in diversity. Now, does that sound familiar? Unity in diversity. Diversity is a key word for the politically correct. Then he explained to the audience that it means they're getting ready. I think it's a good sign that we understand the time that we're in. You know, in June of last year, he was at it again. He said, we're making plans for the future. We're talking about creating other reserve currencies. <laughs> we're counting on other countries to understand this. French President Nicolas Sarkozy concurred, saying world powers should think together about a new international currency system. He also said the world's financial system was outdated and should be replaced. We all need to think about the foundations for a new international financial system. He urged, we've been based on the Britain uh, 
Woods Institute of 1945 when our American friends were the only superpower. My question is, are we still in 1945? Well, the answer is no. Former Fed boss and current chairman of Obama's Recovery Advisory Board, Paul Volcker, has been a long-time proponent of a, of a global fiat currency and a global central bank. What does that mean, a fiat currency? That means a currency that's banked by nothing. Now, do you remember in some of the old sci-fi movies? Well, not even the old ones. You know, things like Drudge uh, with Sylvester Stallone. I think it was called Drudge or Captain Drudge, whatever it was. Well, do you remember their pay system then? They would go to a machine and they would swipe their card and they were paid in credits. And they were called credits. It wasn't a mark or yen or dollar or um, any of that stuff. It was simply called a credit because that that was a, an example of a global currency where everything has the same value, where everything um, all amounts to the same thing. It's spendable anywhere, anytime, any, anything. Now, currently, the global uh, currency is the dollar. So if international countries want to buy oil, an international product, they have to pay for it in dollars. Now, currently, here's their argument. Currently, other countries have to take their currency and cash it in for dollars and then buy their oil with dollars. Well, they want to get away from this because their argument is that different countries have different values on their currency. So, for instance, one country may have to spend two two of their dollars or their currency to get one of our dollars, where another country might have to spend 50 to get one of our dollars. And they say it's not fair. It's causing these economic crashes. They're saying that's why these economies are crashing all over the globe because of the difference in the value of currency. So if, if my friend, say, to the north, the country to the north has to pay 50 of their currency to get one dollar, one petrodollar, then, and the uh, neighbor to the left has to pay two of their currency to get a petrodollar, then who's going to be more advantaged to get that, that um, petrodollar to buy oil? Well, the oil price in one place is going to be drastically different from the oil price in another place. They say that's what's causing the crash of all of these economies, where if we had one currency that all had the same value, then there wouldn't be any petrodollar. There wouldn't be any preferred currency. There wouldn't be any cashing in of any of this. Sorry, Mr. George Soros, who would be out of business because that's how he made his money by buying up the currency of small countries, almost crashing those countries and then selling it off once it was ready to be made a profit on. Talk about exploiting poor countries. Mr. George Soros should be ashamed of himself. So that's the idea behind this global currency, is that all of these powers should be, quote unquote, equal and fair. It's all equal and fair. Well, in China, the People's Central Bank has also called for a new reserve currency. And these BRIC countries have been calling for this all along. In fact, in past programs, I have played uh, clips from the... Um, meetings that they've had where they're calling for this global currency, where they're saying, we don't want it to be a yen or a mark or anything. We'll call it something else, but it'll be all the same value. So we're all getting a fair shot. Everyone has an equal shot. Does that sound familiar? 
Well, a 2009 report published on the central bank's website entitled Reform the International Monetary System explained that the desirable goal of reforming the international monetary system, therefore, is to create an international reserve currency that's disconnected from individual nations and able to remain stable in the long run, thus removing the inherent deficiency caused by using credit-based national currencies. A new global currency system could be created that no longer relies on the United States dollar as the single most major reserve currency, said the UN's World Economic and Social Survey. The dollar has proved not to be a stable store of value, which is a requisite for stable reserve currency. The new UN report said the IMF would be given the authority to print its own fiat currency claiming that the new system must not be based on a single currency or even multiple national currencies, but instead should permit the emission of international liquidity, such as special drawing rights. Now, I've explained special drawing rights before. It's to create a more stable global financial system. Special drawing rights are assets that are issued by the IMF with a value uh, currently based on multiple fiat currencies. Fiat meaning backed by nothing. That's what a fiat currency is. There's no backing behind it. There's no silver, no gold. It's just a piece of paper. That, it's a credit. Just like in the uh, uh, sci-fi movies, you're issued a credit. That's a fiat currency. Then there's the International Monetary Fund. This is, is, is a candidate for this position of this uh, global central bank, which in some ways has already taken on the role. You know, like other figures in the organization, the IMF boss, Dominique Strauss, has called for this global regulation of a world currency controlled by the fund. We need a world bank. A financial crisis is global. It's and only an international central bank can deal with it. This is what he says. The piece, this leader called for to begin laying the groundwork for establishing a global central bank, which the Fed no longer has the capability to um, have ride shotgun over. So that's what they're saying. <clears throat> Let's take a look at what's actually happening. Africa already <clears throat> contains a patchwork of regional um, currencies, including one in, in West Africa, Central Africa, a group of countries that use the South African rand. Well, there's a plan to introduce a continental currency. Now, this is referred to as the Afro it's controlled by the already existing African Union, African Central Bank, and is set for completion in, in probably 15 years or so. In Asia, they're calling for a regional monetary union. Uh, the Arabian nations, through the Gulf Corporation Council, are planning their own common currency right now. This is also where the U.S., came up with the idea of a regional currency, the Amero. Well, what's going to happen with all this? All of this is going, to, even if they come up with the regional, 
which they're working on right now. Even if they come up with the regional, what they're doing is consolidating. They're consolidating it into regions. So, and I'm asking the question here. When it comes to the ten toes of Daniel, will this be broken up according to currencies? Will these ten toes, these ten different uh, confederacies, be set up by ten different currencies? I'm not saying it is. I'm asking the question. It's a rhetorical question. Think about it. That's all I'm saying. Think about it. Because remember, just like when I talked about Russia being brought down and then built back up the way God wanted them to be, he always does things his way. And it's always in ways that we hardly ever think about. These ten toes, these ten confederate nations or sectors or however it's going to be broken up, could be determined or at least formed by currencies. Until finally, this new world leader that's going to have this one world government is going to come in. Remember, we talked about this in the last program. When the Antichrist makes his appearance, he's going to subdue three of these automatically. So this, if, if this happened to be the case, then this is what he would do. He would step up and he would take three of these currencies, these three confederations, however they're going to be split up, and put them all together to create this one world currency. Because he's going to subdue the rest, which it's a possibility. I'm not saying it is. There's a possibility these other, uh, these other seven currencies, other seven blocks, may not want to give up their regional currency, and they're going to give him trouble. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. I may be way off, but it's something to think about. I mean, we need to have some critical thought when we think about these things. And we need to be open to whatever happens. We can't say, oh, this is not that. We have to consider everything because we don't know how this is going to finally work out. So you have to be open to whatever God does. <clears throat> you know, in a, in a closer proximity to the U.S., a group of Caribbean nations have formed the Eastern Caribbean Union. And it's a currency union. All use the East Caribbean dollar. More recently, a number of leftist Latin American regimes created the SUTRE. Under the leadership of um, Hugo Chavez, who started it. It was a, uh, a South American currency that's, that he put into the works. You know, the other thing the IMF has done, and who is the IMF? The International Monetary Fund. It's located in Washington, D.C., and it's ran by the United States. So keep that in mind when we talk about this. The IMF is us. Yeah, they have other people from other countries. You know, we're not the only ones that are in. It's a confederation of countries. But who's in charge? Where is it located? It's in Washington, D.C. And the people who are in power in the IMF are Americans. And not for the first time, really for the second time, the IMF is to issue SDRs. The IMF is issuing its own paper currency, like fiat, fiat currency. It's backed by nothing. All of these are pilot programs. In other words, they're kind of testing the plumbing. Now the IMF is positioned to, in effect, and all of this fiat currency is to become a global central bank 
which can issue its own currency, leverage its balance sheets through borrowing, and then create assets by making loans and investing in securities, all under the auspice of the IMF. Friends, this is scary stuff because we're looking at the end of the dollar. This is the the end of currency, the end of money as we know it. This could very well be the no paper money. You know, that's what India is doing. India is biometrically databasing every one of their 1.2 billion people in India. Every one of them in a biometric database with the fingerprint and the iris scan. That should be scary enough. We need to pay attention to these things. Now, if this does become the, the end of the end of currency, the end of money as we know it, nobody might be able to. Now, this is Revelation thirteen seventeen through eighteen. Now, listen closely to this. We're going to talk about this. Nobody might be able to buy or sell except a person having the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Where is wisdom? Let the one who has wisdom calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. And the number is six hundred and three score and six. Now here's here's the problem that we seem to be having with this prophecy and revelation of the mark of the beast. Remember, we have to take the word of the Lord for what it says. Take it for what it says. Do not add to it. Do not take away from it. If you do that, you're going to see something shocking to some of you in Revelation 13, 17, and 18 when it calls for this mark of the beast. What does it say? No person will be able to buy, sell, buy or sell except he who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Calculate the number of his name, for it is 603 score and 6, for it is the number of a man. So if you're thinking that the only mark of the beast is going to be um, something in your hand or your forehead, and that you can take anything else, think again, take the word for what it says. He says, No person can buy or sell, save the person who has the mark in his hand or forehead, okay? Or the name of the beast. Or the number of his name. Calculate the number for it's the number of a man. Six, three, score, and six. What What does this suggest? I'm not saying... I'm not saying I'm not asking for God here. But why is he saying the mark in the hand of the forehead or the name of the beast or the number of the name? To calculate it for it's the number of a man. Some places may have the mark in the hand of the forehead. Or it may just be the name. Or It may just be the number. And to prove that, he tells you how to calculate the number. 
So if we've got all of these currencies, these regional currencies, they're set up to be a mark of the beast, maybe India, for example, just uh, I'm not saying it is, for an example, since they're doing the biometrics in the hand and the fingerprints, maybe that will be a mark in the hand or the forehead. Let's say that China and Russia don't like that, and they go to a different system where you just have the name. Are people in China going to say, this is not the mark of the beast because there's no mark in my hand or my forehead? So it's not the mark of the beast. No, 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 no. Go back to the word. What does God say? No person can buy or sell, save that he have the mark in his hand or forehead or the name or the number. Some places may have the mark. Some places may have the name. Some places may just have the number. All three of those are mentioned three times, are, are, are mentioned in this uh, three sections of this prophecy. So it could be any one of these three. So let's not be ignorant on this. Let's make sure that we understand, even if this global economy turns into a global currency that ends up being broken up into different sections don't think because you don't have the mark in your hand or your forehead that you don't have the mark of the beast. Because we can, we can avoid this whole thing of trying to figure it out if you boil it down to one single point. And that is anything that makes it so you cannot buy or sell or do business or do anything without something. Whether it's the mark, the name, the number whether it's an ID card, a chip, no matter what it is, if it's something that will not allow you to do any business anywhere without it, that's the mark of the beast. Now, some people are saying, <clears throat> excuse me, some people are saying that, well, it's a social security number. Well, not everybody has a social security number, but not everybody is going to be using the same system. Maybe it'll come to that point. You know, and here's another critical question when this thing comes about, is are people going to be duped into this because of lack of knowledge? Or are they going to be duped into it because they only take one part of this prophecy and put it into play? Are they going to say, well, I don't have the mark in my hand, or I, I don't have the mark in my forehead? Some, you know, if it ends up being a, a, an app on your phone, which it very well could be. I'm not saying it is. It very well could be. And people are going to say, hey, that's really cool. Let's try this app on the phone. Yeah, man, this is really cool. Come on, let's try this. We'll pay our bill with with our phone. Come on, let's try this. And they'll be duped into it because remember what, what God says. Anyone who bears the mark of the beast will not enter into heaven. So you need to guard yourself. You need to pay attention to this. You need to pay attention to what this prophecy says. You need to guard yourself. If you take this mark, you will not be allowed in heaven. This is critical to understand. This is why you have to pay attention to these end-time prophecies. You cannot ignore this. This time is at hand. Everybody is talking about this one world currency. This new world order, this is not something, whether it's a personal microchip, RFID chip, um, 
no matter what it is. Because, you know, when let's face it, when it comes to this world crisis, <clears throat> there will be no recovery. What's happening now is <clears throat> part of a grand strategy to create this new world order, this one world state with a world government, a world army, a world bank, a world currency, a world religion. And we see all of these things coming about. All you have to do is look around. You can't ignore this, my friends. Their goal is to vastly reduce our population. They may microchip us. They may uh, they may use electronic money or biometric ID cards. You know they're they're trying that oh, for you folks in the UK. They're trying this biometric ID card. They they're talking about it here in America, having a national biometric card. You know Obamacare. They say requires that you have some sort of chip that has all of your medical history on it. Everybody will have to have it by law. You know, will this also be, <coughs> excuse me, will this also be some sort of uh, mark of the beast? Now, here's something else that's very scary. If something like Obamacare requires you to have a, a chip or, or something that has your medical history on it, and you say, well, that's not the mark of the beast because it doesn't um, prevent me from buying or selling. Well, what if they take that information and morph it into that? Everybody already has it. You'll be forced into it without your consent, where it's possible, because we know how the government works. It's possible that they would take all of this biometric information that they have on everybody in Obamacare, which is required by law, that everybody have their history on them. What if they take that information? And they say, well, we already have this system. Now we're just going to make it so you have to identify yourself when you go to the bank, when you go to work, when you drive your car, when you buy insurance, <clears throat> when you buy a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. <clears throat> you just use the information out of your chip. Then all of a sudden you already have it and you're stuck. You now have the mark of the beast. Well, how do we know when this, if something like that's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be duped by that. If, if it comes about that way, there's a lot of people that are going to be sucked into that and unwillingly take that mark of the beast. You see, we have to have some critical thought here. We have to think of the consequences of, of our tyrannical government, not only a U.S. government, but a world government that lies to your face, pulls these little scams behind your back, passes legislation that is so huge that they say the only way you're going to know what's in it is if you pass it. And they pass it. And it's now becoming law. You have no choice. You instantly become of the one world state. This one world bank and government and currency and, and religion and everything that goes with that. Okay, so the economic aspect is, is incredible. You know, uh, I think there's going to be 
at some point, if this comes about that there's a global currency and you can't buy or sell without having one of these three things, either the mark, the name, or the number, I think this is going to create a huge black market. This is going to create a black market where you you'll be able to do it'll be illegal, but you'll be able to um, get some of the things that you need without going through this system if you don't take this chip. And you know, out of all of the tests that a Christian can take in their lifetime in history, this is going to be one of the largest tests of faith ever, ever. This test is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Everyone who is Christian in name only is going to fall by the wayside. They're going to take the mark because there's going to be some very, very, very difficult questions that come with this. When you refuse to take this mark and you can't go in the grocery store and buy, or you can't hold a job, you can't drive a car, you can't rent a house, you can't buy a house, you won't be able to buy a tent. If you're not ready, you're doomed. And on top of that, for those of you that have kids or grandkids who don't understand any of this stuff but are still hungry, these are little kids with big eyes. They're going to have tears welling up in the bottom of their eyes saying, Mom or Dad or Grandma, Grandpa, why can't we eat? The store is right there. Why can't we go get some food? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Everybody else is eating. Why can't we eat? And you're going to say something to them that they're going to totally not understand. Well, it's the mark of the beast and we can't get into heaven. These kids go, I don't care about that. I'm hungry. Don't you love me? Aren't you going to feed me? I'm hungry. Mommy, I'm hungry. Man, this is going to be a test like no other test. Are you up to it? Are you who and what you say you are in Christ? You know, if you are, then he's going to provide for you. If you're not, you're going to take the mark of the beast, and on that day, you're going to be refused entrance to heaven because you have the mark of the beast. Let's have some critical thought about this. I personally hope that we consider some of these things of end-time prophecy that's coming to pass. You know, the aspect uh, of this happening is goes back all the way to the to the Illuminati. Now I know everyone every time someone says the Illuminati, then people roll their eyes and they say, "Oh, here we go again with the conspiracy theory about the Illuminati." Well, you know, maybe it's not conspiracy theory. The Illuminati states in paragraph two of its world currency, <laughs> says in order to affect this, it's been necessary to degrade the in independent national currencies around the world. To introduce um, things like the euro was a stepping stone toward this. The Illuminati says the current economic woes being left in the UK are um, intended to drag the once proud nation kicking and screaming into a single currency. Because, you know, the euro was never intended as an in in itself, only as an increment, an increment toward this final Luciferian um, one, one world currency. 
What are you going to happen when the do- what's going to happen when the dollar is dead? What's going to happen when uh, when the IMF is in control or the UN is in control? When you have people saying that you can only buy or sell with credits, you know maybe the market of the beast won't be a market at all. Maybe it'll be that they won't accept any currency except credits, and you can't get the credits unless you're in the system. The system may actually be a database. I've thought this for a while, that you have to be in a database, and that that database, whether it have a name or a number, would be your uh, your currency. And if you're not in this database, then – you can't get any credits. You get paid in credits. You spend credits. You pay your rent with credits. The only way you can get credits is to be in this database. And if you're not in the database, you get no credits. Then what? See, then you couldn't even rob somebody. You know, that's the idea in India. They say they're they're biometrically databasing their entire 1.2 billion people to stop crime. It's for safety and security, remember? And and Jesus tells us they're going to do this in the name of safety and security. They're saying nobody can be robbed. You can't it can't be stolen. They can't steal your fingerprint or your iris scan. I'm sure the thieves would figure out some way to do it, but that's the argument behind it. Not that it's a legitimate argument. You see what I'm saying? So just remember this, when it comes to the mark of the beast, when this when this uh, one world currency comes about, and it's coming, anything that makes it so you cannot buy or sell is going to be your denial into heaven. Friends, don't let that be your denial. We'll be right back. You're listening to W. Dean Shook, in time prophecy news and current events. Stay tuned. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. When you see all of these things, you know... It is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words never 
pass away. As it was in the days of Noah, so it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on the things we've talked about, maybe something I didn't cover. You can email me at contact at wdeanshook.com. That's the email. Or if you forget it, just come to the webpage, wdeanshook.com. And there's a form right on the front page. Put your name on there so I know who I'm talking to. Fill in your comment, your question, your criticism, your suggestion, whatever it is, and it'll come straight to the email. You'll immediately get a confirmation email that says it's been received. I answer all of these personally. I want to thank everybody for for being here today on the Spreaker Network, on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on our regular affiliates throughout the country. You folks in the UK, thank you. Uh, the Middle East, um, Australia, the Philippines, um, thank you, everybody. You know, your feedback is so important. I, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Um, until our next program, I'd like to leave you with a critical question here. And it comes from our friend Georgia Red, who asks this question very eloquently.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 